Welcome to the Healing Ninjas Podcast, a space dedicated to highlighting the healing stories of everyday people. This podcast is not a replacement for professional support. This podcast may contain content that may be graphic, violent, or traumatic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. The goal of sharing these stories is to help you, the listener, hear how people have struggled in various ways and the steps they have taken to become healing ninjas, individuals who are seeking to master the art of healing. Healing is not a linear process. We all have our ups and downs. This podcast aims to create a brave space for people to share and learn from one another. I'm your host, Hernan Carvente Martinez. Welcome to the Healing Ninjas community. Hey everyone, it's Hernan, Hernan Carvente Martinez. I'm the host of the Healing Ninjas podcast. I am a social entrepreneur, a community organizer, and a prison abolitionist. At 16 years old, I went to prison for the crime of attempted murder. And I lead off with sharing that with all of you because part of the reason that this podcast came into existence has been the journey that I've been on since I was released from prison eight years ago. I started Healing Ninjas with a very specific aim, which was to really bring forth the healing journey that I've been on since coming out of that facility in June of 2012. Most people who know me now know me for being someone who loves to help young people achieve their greatest vision of their own leadership and their own happiness. They know me as someone who doesn't believe in the current youth prison model who doesn't believe that the way that we currently support young people in the justice system is right. I spent a lot of my time in the last eight years advocating for change and reforms all over the country. I've shared my story in schools. I've shared them in the halls of different state offices. And I've also shared them at conferences all over the country with philanthropists, with law enforcement officials, with prosecutors, judges, lawyers. I have shared my story so many times that sometimes I've just come to this place where I no longer want to share just my own story. I've wanted to just let go of all of the stuff that I was before. I'm more than just the prison experience. I'm more than the trauma that I went through. But all of this, the things that I went through shaped me. And when I started doing this work fresh out of prison. I had gone through so many changes that I never got a chance to process, that I never got a chance to talk about. When I was younger, I had grown up in a household where my father would oftentimes drink a lot and beat my mother and me. I grew up in Mexico from age one to eight and went through all of that with my dad while at the same time being sexually molested by my neighbor down the block at some point. I never talked about that, never shared it, not even in the current work that I do, mostly because I just didn't feel like I could claim the role of a survivor in any space. And I just felt like I wasn't the right person to be out there saying that or sharing that. I held a lot of that experience. I held a lot of different experiences through most of my adolescence and by the time I was eight years old and I came back to the United States after my dad had crossed the border and ultimately 
invited my mom and me to later come. I came to the U.S. not really knowing that I was an American citizen. I came to the U.S. hopeful that it would be a better life, that I would have a different way of living because the conditions that I was in in Mexico were really poor and oftentimes um, led to a lot of struggle, which I thought was the reason why my dad would be drinking. But turns out there was just history there, generations of history that I did not know about and did not process until now, age 28. But at the time, I actively thought that I could do something about it by drinking instead of my father drinking. I used to take those cups, take those beer bottles, take those different um, alcohol substances and just try to down them. I tried to drink them and, and thought to myself, man, if I could drink these faster than my dad, then he won't get drunk and he won't beat me up and he won't beat up my mom and it'll be a good night. That ended up resulting in me becoming a heavy alcoholic very early on in life by 10 years old. I was already drinking very heavy liquor. And I remember how hard it was to navigate all of those emotions, all of those experiences. And I grew very angry and never spoke to anyone about it. I would oftentimes feel very low and depressed. And instead of showing sadness, my sadness showed up as anger. That anger eventually led me to becoming very violent, very aggressive, and just very defensive of people who try to get close to me. I was afraid um, for various reasons, obviously. My dad used to beat me all the time. The experience that I went through in Mexico, um, which maybe I will get into more in another episode, all of those things had made me really hard um, and just really difficult to approach. And as much as teachers or people in the community try to reach out to me or try to help me, I pushed away all the help. I joined the gang. I joined a group that I thought um, was my friends at the time. And many of them had stories like mine, households that were broken, communities that didn't want them, stories of pain and struggle that oftentimes were drowned in alcohol or cocaine or weed. I became a heavy cocaine addict by the time I was 14. I had joined that gang um, at 13 and was actively always committing acts of violence in the community as a means to get attention and feel like I had some control over my life, some level of power. During that time, all I thought about was surviving. I wasn't thinking about really just trying to heal or go to school or do any of the things that were going to be helpful to me. I was just trying to survive. I was just trying to make it to the next day. And at 15 years old, I ended up getting uh, the mother of my daughter, my now daughter, who is 11 years old, pregnant. And by that time, I was already gangbanging. I was a heavy alcohol user. I was snorting lines here and there from just parties and things that were happening around my way. And I kind of lost myself very quickly to all of that. I lost myself to the anger. I lost myself to this mentality that I just didn't care about my own life or those around me. And everyone demonized me during that time. I remember being thrown up against gates by police officers because I was oftentimes looked at as a as a bad apple or the bad kid or the gang member. And no one ever treated me as a young person who needed support at that time. Everyone treated me 
um, much like my dad and other people had done in my life, which was as someone who wasn't worthy of respect. And I try to earn that respect in the streets, which ultimately, after going through everything that I went through and having even the mother of my daughter, um, the news of being a father, none of those things saved me from eventually uh, grabbing a gun and shooting a rival gang member three times with the intention of taking his life away. I can tell you very directly right now that that experience shaped me in so many more ways than I can remember now. I am oftentimes trying to process what I was thinking at the time that led me to even grabbing that gun and pointing it at another person that looked like me, that was from the same neighborhood as me. And to this day, I'm still processing that. After committing that crime, I went to prison um, and went back and forth to prison trying to figure out what the outcome was going to be. I was supposed to get 18 years for that crime. The crime happened two days before I turned 16. And those two days I later learned were the reason why I ended up in the juvenile justice system serving six years as opposed to 18 years. Now, I know that the experience of people who go to prison can vary based on the time that they spend in there. But in those four years, I saw a lot, survived a lot, and grew a lot in ways that the average young person doesn't really have to grow up to because it shouldn't be a thing where people go to prison and that's the way they grow up very quickly in order for them to survive. While in prison, I met a man by the name of James McCain who helped me turn my life around by offering a college course there, took the time to pursue my education and make all of these changes in my life that would better serve me, that would better help me. But while I was there, I saw my peers get beat up by staff. I saw staff um, actively harm uh, my peers in, in a number of different ways, but I also saw my peers harm staff back. It was an endless cycle of violence while I was in prison. And to try to be a college student and try to be a dad and try to be this other person that I was trying to become while in prison was nearly impossible sometimes. And I oftentimes find myself just succumbing to the same mindset that I had in the streets of toughening it up and being violent. And it was just the same. And so while in prison, I tried to do my best to bottle up a lot of the experience that I was going through. I tried my best to really just hide everything again. Growing up, I had hit a lot of things and I hit up all of these things again when I grew in prison and had no other way or no outlet to go out and do it. Every time I went to a session with a counselor in the facility, maybe a fight would break out that night and everything that I had unpacked in one day, I automatically got something new that same day or that same night. I share this with all of you because that experience Having all of that happen to me growing up in the community, in the street, and eventually in prison really set me on a path where I would struggle so much after my release. When I came out, I struggled with reentry. I operated from a mindset of survival. I jumped on every opportunity that I could, every job, everything that anyone could offer to me just to make the ends meet. I would take it. And 
eventually, because of the work that I was doing and because I saw that so many other people were struggling, I became an advocate for young people. I became an advocate for others who had been to prison in general and started sharing my story more regularly to try to help people, to try to change policies, to try to change laws, to try to make the world a better place for people coming out of prison. I eventually burnt out and I started making some tough decisions. I ended up leaving the mother of my daughter, a choice that to this day haunts me and actively have to think about what that felt like. I decided to focus very heavily on school and work despite going through so much. And I did not think about how much I had bottled up from all that time in prison, from the time that I had experienced in the gang to the move from Mexico to the U.S. and some of the abuse that I experienced while I was young in Mexico. I held on to all of that. I became a leader for youth justice around the country. People saw me as the aspiration of what a young person could achieve. And all of that while struggling with mental health. All of that while bottling up so many different emotions and ultimately coping in so many different ways that most people did not know about. I went back to drinking when I graduated from college in June of 2015. I went back to spending so much time in clubs and snorting cocaine again and going back into the same cycle that I thought I had escaped from. And it was all because I had so much unresolved trauma, so much unresolved pain. And all of that impacted my ability to have healthy relationships. It impacted my ability to show up as a dad. It impacted my ability to be genuine in the work that I was doing because I was held up on a pedestal that I allowed myself to be held up to. And um, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to ask for help. I remember one time getting into a fight after going to a bar one time and I was going back and forth to court because of an assault charge and I didn't tell a lawyer. I had so many lawyer friends and I just felt like I couldn't tell people that I was struggling because everyone held me up in such a high regard because of all the change that I had done in the visible part of my life, the part that everybody saw at every conference, at every speech. Eventually, personal life worked and unresolved trauma led me to almost taking my life at the end of 2018. Before then, I had gone through 15 different therapists, had been diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder, had attempted to try to go through three different kinds of medication, Lamictal, Letuda, Abilify. I fought with my mental health and really never asking for help because I felt like I was expected to be okay. I was expected to be the same aspirational young person that everybody wanted to look up to. And I tried so hard to find myself in the last two years and trying to commit suicide was probably the lowest point in my life because I had given up on my vision for a world without prisons. I had given up on a vision for the kind of dad that I wanted to be. And I had given up on a vision of the kind of life that I wanted to live. I had essentially hit rock bottom and I did not know what to do. I remember jumping onto the train tracks and struggling so much with that decision as the train was approaching and closing my eyes and not knowing what was going to happen next. And all I hear was a loud sound 
and the train never hitting me. I hear a loud braking sound and realize that the train is quickly losing momentum before it ever hit me. I panicked, realizing that the train was inches away and had not touched me, and got out of the train station as quickly as I could, jumped out, jumped out of the train tracks, back into the station, and five minutes later, my daughter called me and said, Papi, are you going to come pick me up this weekend? All of those experiences shaped me in ways that I cannot fully describe yet because that was only about a year ago that some of these things have actively been things that I've been processing in therapy. I started going to therapy in June of last year and have been in sessions, literally 60 plus sessions. I've not missed a week except for one um, and literally one last week. And I went sober from cocaine in July of 2019. I went sober from weed in September of 2019 and went sober from alcohol in November of 2019. I'm close to being a year sober in alcohol. And that for me is the biggest accomplishment of my life beyond coming out of prison, beyond graduating from college, beyond everything else that I've gone through because breaking the cycle of alcoholism in my family is probably one of the biggest generational accomplishments that I myself have been able to say that I was able to accomplish. So why healing ninjas? When I started to think about the different reasons for why people were struggling in silence, I realized that it was because there were so many different spaces where people could plug into and oftentimes were expected to show up in their most shiny, perfect version of themselves. And even social media wasn't helping. And I remember about a year ago feeling like I was just over it. I was over the perfectionism. I was over trying to be the, the model that everybody could look to. And I just started to really show up as my most authentic self. And I started saying to myself, Man, I'm done being a coping ninja, which is what one of my mentors used to call me. I want to be a healing ninja. I want to be someone who is doing something to heal myself every day and be a part of a healing journey that I commit to being a part of every day. And healing ninjas, for me, was symbolic. The ninja was symbolic. I didn't want it to be about, you know, someone's specific gender or ethnic background or just their story being connected to some particular identity. I wanted to focus specifically on the healing journey. I wanted people to talk about the struggles they went through, the challenges they overcame, and the solutions that they have found in their journeys to really achieve the kind of healing that was good for them, but also for the people around them. And hopefully taking some of those lessons and helping other people achieve healing of their own. The ninja was symbolic because I can be a healing ninja. The person listening to this can be a healing ninja. Anyone can be that healing ninja, an individual trying to master the art of healing. But this platform is not about my story. The story that I just shared is only one of many stories that I hope this platform is able to capture and share, but also support 
with building a bigger community where all of us can share our stories, our journeys, our ups and downs, and really be a part of a larger movement to help people heal from pain, from trauma, and from the different things that they are struggling through in silence and know that they have a place where they can come to and speak and be vulnerable and honest and raw. That's what Healing Ninjas is about. It's about honoring the version of me at 10 years old that wanted to cry, that wanted to share all of this then and could not do it. It's an honor of my inner child. It's an honor of my 11-year-old daughter. It's an honor of the pain and traumas that people experience, oftentimes carrying them into their adulthood and not having a space to be able to share that with the world. So welcome to Healing Ninjas. And thank you for joining me and so many others who are going to share their stories on this journey and building this space for all of us. And just thank you so much for being willing to listen to this trailer episode and this story. And I hope you're going to subscribe after this to hear many more to come. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast and follow us at Healing Ninjas on all social media platforms. If you're interested in sharing your own story, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.healingninjas.org and sign up to be featured. We look forward to sharing your journey next.